Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to the show. Lots to get to, including what was a... Can a game be thrilling if it was really terribly played? It came down to the last play <laughs> last night between the Bills and the Giants. It was not a particularly well-played game, but I guess it counts as a thriller because the Giants had a moment and had a chance at the one-yard line and untimed down, and Buffalo escapes with a win. Can't feel great about it, even though it is a win, because the Buffalo offense, again, looks completely out of sync. Credit to the Giants. They were playing underhand, undermanned. And with a backup quarterback even and really made the Bills sweat this out. Yeah, it feels like the Bills didn't get up for this because Tyrod Taylor was on the other side of the game. And the whole game felt like there was a, a like a haze around it. Like yeah. it was foggy in Buffalo or something. Because that was home. They should have won that one much more easily. They were the biggest point spread of the entire season so far. It was like 14. I think it got up to even 14 and a half at one point. And the Bills came out and almost laid a big egg. So there was also an ambulance on the field again in Buffalo. I mean, it does feel like, yeah, David Harris. And I guess he has, uh, it was a neck injury. He has movement in his arms and legs. Thank God. But it does feel like that kind of took them out of their game a little bit too because of what happened last year. I mean, you can't help but think, oh man, this team's been through so much. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be a little bit of an excuse. They, listen, if that throws you off your game, you can understand it. But the Bills offense was terrible even before that. You know, I think part of the fact is they weren't giving it to Damian Harris enough. <laughs> you know, they weren't using the run game where they have James Cook and Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. And instead, the Bills really capitalize off of a really big mental mistake from Tyrod Taylor, the veteran at the end of the first half where points were at an absolute premium in this game. The final score is 14 to 9. Premium. They have the ball with the ability to run one play basically at the goal line. It has to be a pass play, though. It has to be a pass play. I believe it was about 10 or 12 seconds left in the half with no timeouts. And instead, Tyrod Taylor audibles to a run play to Saquon Barkley. He gets stuffed at the one-yard line, and then they couldn't get themselves set again to run another play. Yeah, and then afterwards, Brian Dable chewed out Tyrod Taylor, turned out to be on camera. Yep. You had an issue with that. I did. I thought that showing up a veteran like that, I mean, Taylor, listen, he's going to take the blame 
why he checked to a run play is a mystery. Why there was even like a check Mm. possible here is a mystery. You know you have to pass the ball. You have no timeouts. You could have probably run at least two plays if you had just thrown the ball. But you said afterwards you thought they should have ran the ball on the untimed play at the end of the game, possibly. I thought that they had the Bills a little bit back on their heels. When it was the end of the first half, the Bills were clearly loading up for Saquon Barkley because he was so good on that drive. But he was good on the final drive, too. I I think that it's tough because if you really think the look is there, then maybe you should go to a run play. I think with Tyrod Taylor, quarterback, you could argue that's their best play and go for the touchdown, be aggressive, at least put the option in. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. If if Saquon had scored, I think people would have been like, oh, that was the right call. Yeah, right. Like, (laughs) hey, veteran savvy move, audibling out of the Ironically. I know. See, and that's another reason why I just don't love Dable. It feels like once a weekend, every game they play, he is just chewing somebody out on the sideline. And listen, when it's a young player like an Evan Neal or last year going back when he chewed out Daniel Jones earlier in the year, I think fans, you can understand that these young guys have to learn. Showing up a veteran like that in that moment, that can be done behind. You can just get to the tunnel, and that could happen in the tunnel. I thought that was a that was a bad look. So it's better to scream at a young player and kill his confidence early in his career than an older player? I would think you could argue the opposite, that you know, chewing out young guys on the sideline is not good for their confidence and doesn't really work the way you want it to. Well, it depends. I guess that that's on the coach. They've got to know their player. Are they a guy who gets motivated by a pat on the back or is there someone who gets motivated by getting chewed out by the coach? And you would think that Brian Dayball would have a pulse on that. It just feels like it is now every single game. Mm. He's over there just absolutely screaming at a guy when I think for Tyrod Taylor, he's earned the respect, right? He's been a solid backup quarterback in this league for a long time. He was the Bills starter and broke their long playoff drought as quarterback. I think that doing that behind closed doors is something he's earned in this league. Well, I got to tell you, though, the guys he's coached with, Nick Saban at 71, I thought if he had had a gun, he would have shot one of his special teams guys. Uh, No, that's an overstatement, but he was so mad. Bill Belichick, I mean, threw his tablet down at the end of the game. He's yelled at guys before. I think this level of coach, there are a lot of yellers, and if you win, nobody seems to mind. So I think the fact that Dable lost makes it look worse. Mm, yeah, probably. Nobody minds when Saban chews out someone. Well, but Saban's also coaching college kids. I feel like, I don't that know if that's worse. better or worse. I remember, like, Coach K is, like, laid into guys, like, wow, that is not what you would expect. Yeah, but Brian Kelly getting up in guys' face, everybody oh, hates that. I know, and I think, it's, I think it is a bad look. It's just a little bit different, I think. I guess we have a little different standard for the college. Maybe that's not true. I just think of professional football. That's what it is. You're pros. You can criticize guys just to do it in that open forum. You also leave yourself open to people thinking this is a bit of eyewash. I don't know if that's true with Dayball. He seemed totally incensed. But does it look like you're basically putting the blame on your quarterback because you've aired him out so publicly in that sense, you're basically pointing a finger at your quarterback? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, There's no way to argue about that. Brian Dable does seem to have a tendency to find other people to blame. Kind of like a little bit of little man syndrome there. He's. I noticed he was <laughs> yelling at Evan Neal. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's half the size of this guy. He is fiery. I think last year it was perceived as good and fiery and when they were winning. So this year, because they're losing, it's perceived as bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I heard it in the break room, by the way. Yes. that. Sean Marash used to be on the show. Yes. If they fired Dable midseason, he officially has to quit. Have you heard that about that? <laughs> he has to quit his job at the fan. Yes, and they he They're signed not a con- fire Dable. Oh, okay. Are you positive? In I'm, year two, why would they do that? 
Oh, it's the Giants. I don't know. Because Ben McAdoo, <laughs> they fired in the same exact situation. Yeah, that is true. But McAdoo had lost the locker room. I don't think Dayball has lost the locker room. They're, what are they, one and five? It could go bad for Dable, though. Do you think if they end up with three or four wins that the Giants' ownership could get itchy again? They seem like they're churning through coaches. Uh, it has become a revolving door. EJ has an update on this, yes? Yeah, so not, the bet is that if it's Dayball and Shane that get fired, that Marash, who oh, okay. used to be Mraz here, yeah. would have to then leave WFAN. I mean, that's a BS bet. There's no way they're firing the coach and the general manager. I agree. I, I think he kind of like, if you would have kept it the day ball, that would have been a little interesting. I think <laughs> adding Joe Shane in there. Listen, like, maybe the Giants get to go full circle here and add the coach that they've always wanted, which is Bill Belichick. Because now mm, Belichick is probably going to be available. The problem is, is that you're getting the facsimile of Belichick. You're not really getting the full Belichick. I don't think anyone's going to want Bill Belichick. Because how long does it take Bill Belichick to get his players in there and build his culture and Bill Belichick has not been a great GM. Is Bill Belichick going to fix this Giants team? There's not enough talent there, is there? Also, is he going to come in and he's going to play nice with Joe Shane? Like, he's going to, this whole time in New England, he's been able to pick out the groceries and make the meal, as Bill Parcells used to say. And now he's going to let Joe Shane pick the players? Wow. And Belichick's just going to execute the uh, the marching orders? I don't think so. Uh He's picked out some bad groceries lately, <laughs> so you maybe really sniff the apples and like I, no, I think, the avocados. I think Belichick could seed uh, the personnel side to a GM. I honestly do because he's got. Would he handpick the guy like a Nick Casario yeah, but, or one of those dudes? But everyone who's not connected to Belichick is Joe Shane have no connection to the Belichick chain. Who? I don't think so. Joe Shane came from Carolina. Yeah, I'm sure. And Miami before that, I believe. At the end of the day, I, I bet you there's six degrees of separation from Bill Belichick. It feels like half the league came from <laughs> that saving Belichick tree. That's what happens when you're in the league for 50 years. Uh, new rock bottom for Belichick. We'll get to that later on. Uh, okay, so that's what was going on last night in Orchard Park with the Bills escape with a win against the Giants. On Saturday night, very, very interesting from the college ranks, Perloff, which is Caleb Williams essentially lost the Heisman on Saturday night. Notre Dame took it from him because Caleb Williams had an awful game. His worst as a college player has to be. Notre Dame's defense is, you know, has guys who are going to be playing at the pro level. They made Caleb Williams extremely uncomfortable. Three interceptions, uh, all of them bad, and he basically lost the Heisman. Now, to be fair, to win a back-to-back, yeah. you have to basically be perfect. Yeah, and nobody else has to be perfect. It, right. It's a very high bar. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because Caleb Williams probably wasn't going to win the Heisman anyway. The Heisman voters do not want to see a two-time Heisman winner. Uh, he would have had to be perfect. Heisman voters also rather lazy. <laughs> so if no one else had really <laughs> separated themselves, I think a lot of Heisman voters, forgive me, there's like thousands and thousands of them. I think some are casuals. Totally, but the other problem is there's so many quarterbacks with nearly perfect stats out there right now. There's about six record-breaking quarterbacks. I mean, you could go down the list. Caleb Williams hasn't been any better. I'll defend Caleb Williams, too. This will probably make Mike and Boise mad. Caleb Williams was under so much pressure from Notre Dame. If you look at the three picks, every one of them he got hit within moments after throwing that play. He has a little bit of Superman syndrome where, like Josh Allen, he thinks he could do anything on his own, and he thinks the only way we're going to beat Notre Dame is if I am absolutely doing everything for USC. So maybe this was a little bit of humility for him. But honestly, is there any quarterback that was going to win that game for USC? Do you put this on Caleb Williams? I felt like the Notre Dame just destroyed them in the trenches. Again, 
really high bar for a guy we're calling generational, you know, the terms we use for like John Elway and Andrew Luck and, you know, Trevor Lawrence or whatever. John Elway never made a bowl game. Andrew Luck never really achieved anything in college. Those guys lost plenty of games. All right. Sorry. So give me a couple other generational talents. Peyton Trevor, Manning. I don't know. No, I'm just saying. It, I Peyton said Manning, Trevor Lawrence. He Peyton, won the national title. Yeah, he did. But Peyton Manning, classic. Like, they never they never achieved. They lost a ton of games. Right, they shouldn't well, have lost. Getting caught up in the semantics. No, no, Gener- but, generational talent. No, that's no, what no. he's supposed to be. Right. That doesn't mean. So you're not, you know, you're not not a generational talent because you lose a football game. That's true. That's what I'm saying. Like, Peyton Manning lost a bunch of football games at college. These guys are going to lose games. They're going to have off games. I okay, mean, but here's the thing that's yeah. different is I think Caleb Williams, who's the other great defense that he's played against? This was like mm-hmm. the first time he's played, and for maybe I'm forgetting one, but like that he played a defense that is more representative of what he could see at the NFL than what he's going to see in college. And it was bad, bad, bad. And you cannot blame the weather on this one. So I think not only did Caleb Williams lose the Heisman for himself, but he might have cracked the door open on the number one overall pick. Now he has plenty of time to get it back. We've got a season to get to. We've got a whole draft process to go through. But at, you know, at some point there was maybe nowhere to go but down for Caleb Williams because he was on such a high, but he may have cracked the door open on that number one overall pick. Not to me. I'm taking Caleb Williams every day, 100 days out of 100 days. Even in that game, he made some throws that were just unbelievable. Uh, the touchdown throw where he yeah. was sort of like a joystick. He came in and out, in and out. I, I don't think he cracked the door at all. I think college, uh, NFL teams are pretty savvy. They'll easily throw out one game yep. and say, you know, because every quarterback has bad games. You're never going to see a perfect resume. And they know this. And not like anybody else in this competition has has not had bad games. That's true. Apparently, like, half the NFL had scouts at this game. And I think there were 10 general managers yeah, or something at this game. It's not like they haven't seen every game Cal William plays. It doesn't matter who's at what game. I, I think that he's totally fine. Like, who's the competition? Drake May? Drake May, I mean... Has Drake May, he's looked good, but has he blown you away? His numbers aren't anywhere near Caleb Williams. No, but, I mean, if you're talking about two guys who were basically playing at the exact same time, Caleb Williams and Drake May Saturday night, both had bad first halves, and Drake May really did rebound to have a much better second half. Well, Caleb had a much better second half, too. Honestly, (laughs) it's not Caleb Williams' fault the kickoff. They can't stop a kickoff. It's not Caleb Williams' fault there was a fumble six. Like, a lot of it. The second half, there were some moments like, oh, okay, he's figured it out. He's going to bring them back. But then special teams and their, his guy fumbling cost him the game. So I, I, I did not come away from that game and say, ooh, Cal Williams has no talent. He was making some throws that only he could make. Definitely not. You can't say he has no talent. I'm asking if we definitely agree that he yeah. lost the Heisman Saturday night. Well, I, probably. I was going to say, I don't know about that. His I stats mean, are insane are other, right now. Who are the other candidates that, like, like the quarterback from Washington State, they just got – Pummeled by Arizona. What about Penix from Washington? I mean, oh, Penix, I think is right Penix now in, in in the in the uh, yeah. in the polls yeah. position, but like, but those it's guys can also have bad games. Yeah, by the way, Caleb Williams plays Penix, so yeah, right. If USC just somehow houses them, then that changes it. I do think mid October it's hard to tell with the Heisman rates. There's a lot of change. Bo Nix is unbelievable. Yeah. Penix unbelievable. Jaden Daniels unbelievable. JJ McCarthy unbelievable. Yeah. But none of these like there's so much schedule left. I I agree with you that the bar is going to be so high. You can't really afford a mix-up, but not many college teams go undefeated. You have to remember that. Definitely. One game is, you know, not going to define everything. If USC can beat Washington and Oregon, then maybe he's back in. I thought this was also interesting from the game on Saturday night. Now, the Athletic sent one of their Bears reporters. Obviously, the Bears could have the top two picks. Justin Fields now hurt his hand. I mean, if Justin Fields misses any game, he can't afford to miss any games, right? That They're likely going to move on from him 
this offseason. So they sent a Bears reporter just to watch Caleb Williams and to see what he's like. This was part of what stood out to this Bears reporter for The Athletic. He said, what stood out to me before the game was that Williams, Caleb Williams, didn't break down his team, like break down the huddle, despite two pregame opportunities. Instead, he stood to the outside of his teammates who were gathered together. He did his own thing. When the USC offense gathered as a group before taking the field for its possessions, Williams warmed up separately. He wasn't one of the captains at the coin toss. He was the last player out of the locker room when USC took the field before the game started. Now, to be fair, the writer does go on and say he celebrated with teammates after wins, uh, after touchdowns, excuse me, and stuff like that. Is that fair or unfair to be breaking down his pregame and and basically saying he's standoffish from the group? Yeah, it's it's not fair or unfair. It's stupid is what it is. Because any reporter or writer who thinks that he knows something about character, I mean, this is why people in, in the business hate reporters. Because you talk about quarterback's character, and you are almost definitely wrong. They have no idea what Caleb Williams is like behind closed doors. The trainers do, the coaches do, the, the teammates do. But if you have casually observe anecdotal things like that, you are so likely to make a mistake. We hear this every draft period. This guy's low character. This guy's not a team guy. You have zero idea. In fact, right. I would say, if anything, you are fooling yourself if you think that you can glean anything off that. It, I agree with you. I think it can be unfair. However, the body language and what we see on the sidelines, it does play into a narrative at times that can become a problem for a team. I mean, just like at Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, they keep after telling people, keep having to come out and defend themselves about being fiery on the sideline. Like at some point, people are going to notice your body language, and it does become a thing. Wait, who are the two quarterbacks you said? I said Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. They keep having to oh. like defend the fact that they like have a good relationship. No one believes them because of what Got they it. see on the sideline, and it becomes a narrative that they have to answer questions for week after week. But this idea that a college quarterback is standoffish and too big a star, I mean, I, I've I've heard it about many people before, and it usually does not pan out that way. Cam Newton certainly got that at Auburn when he was starting to get his Superman persona, and believe me, that was not true. So what about Kyler Murray or someone like that who people think he's standoffish, he gets a bad—this is when he was healthy, obviously— he always got a bad reputation but of not being a, aloof. But not at college. Uh, probably not at college, I mean, but had, at the pros. I'm saying if he, if Caleb Williams at, but were to is, do the same thing at the pro level, he might get criticized I, for. He might. I, I think that this is really dangerous territory. It could be. You're right. I, I think, honestly, you're you're so prone to make a mistake, unless you're really, really inside that team, to assume what he is as a teammate. I mean, it could be. I mean, would you be surprised if his teammates say, I just love this guy to death? Not at all. I would not be we don't know. Yeah. Caleb Williams, if anything, Caleb Williams has a, a Todd Marinovich. Like, his dad seems a little iffy. Like, his dad is like Mr. Manufacturer, number one overall pick guy, which is always scary to me. I don't know. I, I don't like it. It's always scary to me a little when the parents say the goal is to be the number one overall pick. Like, yeah. that shouldn't... Uh, listen, everyone's got their goals, and it's such an honor to be number one overall. You work hard for it. You should get rewarded for it. But, like, don't you kind of hope your kid is like has a long successful career in the NFL. Didn't Tom Brady teach everybody anything? You don't have to be number one overall to be successful. Oh, a hundred percent. And you pressuring your kids. I mean, it's worked with Caleb Williams. I think he is going to be number one overall and he's amazing. I guess he's, he's not breaking down the team though. I think uh, teams, maybe he'll fall to two. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, nobody, the NFL's not going to care about that. The NFL, <laughs> the NFL thinks they can get him in the building and coach him up to the way they want him. Anyway, they're going to see the talent. His, He's the closest thing to Mahomes I've seen in college. The way he can move around and make those throws, I understand he had three picks, but he's still spectacular. 
all those other quarterbacks are really, really good. But is there anyone special like Caleb Williams? And you even see it, see it in this loss. He was avoiding tacklers and throwing it 100 yards down the field. He's very special. I have no concerns despite these negatives. EJ, you thought this was a little bit, you know, this was this was a fair take by the reporter. I think the only reason why I kind of raise an eyebrow reading it is because I feel like with Caleb Williams, if there's anything we can say about him, because we don't know a lot about him personally, but there has been a little bit of a, he's kind of a Hollywood kind of guy linked to him. You know, he apparently, before he's in the NFL, he wants ownership stake of any team he gets drafted by. Yeah. You had the, Good luck the dot, with all that. Yeah, you had the dad saying, oh, well, you know, maybe we won't go to the team that's number one. Maybe we'll go back to school. And, you know, me being a selfish video gamer, he's like, hey, maybe I won't be in NCAA football next year if I decide to come back to football. Like, there's been a lot of, like, stuff that's beyond, like, USC trying to win a championship with yeah. Caleb Williams that would seem to be a lot of the conversation. So when I hear, oh, he also you know isn't really like the vocal leader on the on the field. He's kind of to himself. It just makes me think. It doesn't make me jump, jump to, to some conclusion. crazy conclusion. But yeah. it does seem Although, to kind of track with everything I've seen from Caleb Williams that's outside of football. Can you blame him for not wanting to go to the Bears? I mean, that just, I feel like that was lauded as like, uh, hey, this dad really knows what he's talking about. Like, that's the one thing that could derail his career is what we think is going to be this great career is going to the Bears. That's where quarterback yeah. careers go to die. Yeah, that's a great point. By the way, also, if you're going to, USC not going to win a title because of Cal Williams, how about a defense that's led up over 40 points three games in a row? You see any championship defenses? I mean, it wasn't all the defense, but that is. That defense, is, there's no way they're going to win it. Oh, no, I think that they're frauds. I'm saying from Caleb Williams' perspective, like in terms of being the team guy, I'm not saying he's not. It just feels like a lot of the conversation is about individual stuff. We talk about wanting yeah. to be the number one pick. We talk about wanting ownership state. We're talking about, you know, whether or not he's getting enough money for but NCAA it, college football video games. Like, wh- None of that's are, about a title. Where are the yeah. things about trying to win a Pac-12, which they can still do, by the way. They lost a non-conference game. Yeah, Caleb Williams hasn't said all that stuff. I think that's his... his well, group, right? Wh- whoever whoever is saying it has to understand it's a salary cap violation, so it's never going to happen. You can't get ownership stake in the team. It's so silly. And Eli, I mean, Eli, there's no more aw shucks team first guy than Eli Manning, and he did the same thing. It's not like Eli that was, was some big Hollywood persona. <laughs> yeah. I think that was Archie who was pulling some strings. Yeah, that was Archie. I think Caleb Williams' dad might be a bit of a problem, but I, I just think it's really dangerous when a reporter says something like that because then you're setting up the stigma that Caleb Williams is not a team guy when you really don't know. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up, more fallout from yesterday in the NFL. What do some losses mean for players on the trade block? Get to that in just moments. Don't move. Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. So, to me, the Jets' win over the Eagles makes them 3-3. Three and three. Yep. And big I think upset. That, big upset. But to me, this says it's Zach Wilson for the rest of the year. This does not mean that they're going to trade anyone. They were going to go with Zach Wilson when when they weren't winning. Now that they're winning, they think they can win a lot of games with this guy. They seem to like him. I think they're trying to prove that they made an okay draft pick. I think there's no chance they trade for anyone. Okay, I don't think it's about Zach Wilson winning. I think that, and I know this sounds crazy, Rodgers showing up at the game, no crutches, no cast. It's been... 32 days since he had his surgery on his Achilles and he's already sniffing around the team. I think that's what's keeping them from really investigating the Jets, that is, investigating any, like, bigger quarterback um, upgrades. Yeah. Because Zach Wilson is still not good. Like, they won yesterday. They beat the Eagles. They deserve all the positivity this morning. 
But even the most diehard Jets fan is not going to be like, and it was because of Zach Wilson. Like, it was in spite of Zach Wilson. He's still not a good quarterback. But Rodgers is now not just looming. He's in the building now. And I think that's what's going to keep them from trading for a guy. Okay. There's two things that kept the Jets alive last night. Their defense and the fact that Zach Wilson could move just enough. And not that much. Just enough to keep the Eagles pass rush off them so they can move the ball once in a while. Aaron Rodgers would have gotten murdered last night on one leg. Yep. That would have been a huge problem. And Kirk Cousins is not great when he doesn't have a pocket. And the Jets don't provide a lot of pockets. So I don't even know why they would do that. Give up a second-round pick for Kirk Cousins, and he doesn't know the offense. He'll be a sitting duck. That is not a perfect marriage in any way to me. No, the one thing I find kind of interesting, though, about Cousins is there was a report, and the Vikings win yesterday, a very nondescript sort of ho-hum win over the Bears, but it is a win. It was their first NFC North win. So... Kudos and credit for doing that without Justin Jefferson. But there was a report that Kirk Cousins will not waive his no-trade clause. And to me, I don't understand that. Whether it's to the Jets or someone else, somewhere else, like, why? If it's to a team that gives you a better shot to win and you're going to be a free agent at the end of the year anyway, like, why? Because he doesn't want to pull his kids out of school? So don't pull the kids out of school. Keep the kids in school and you go play quarterback in another city for a couple months. Guys do this all the time. I don't know. If I'm Kirk Cousins and I watch... The Sunday game against the Eagles. I'm not going to the Jets. Why would you want to go there? You're setting yourself up for terrible failure. No, but just to say I'm not going to waive my no trade clause, whether that's the Jets or someone else. Like, I don't uh, know who if, else? if the Where's Falcons go, called. Like, I know they have a high-end backup uh. with Taylor Heineke, but why wouldn't I give myself at least a shot if the team doesn't want me anymore and they're trying to go in the tank or something? Like, at least give myself a chance to make the playoffs. I don't know. If I'm a quarterback, Atlanta, that's really where you want to go? That is a saying. team that seems to score 18 points every game no matter what happens. Well, maybe that's because Desmond Ritter is not very good. But that's true. I think the adjustment to a new offense would be difficult. I don't think Kirk Cousins knows Arthur Smith, unless I'm missing something, knows Arthur Smith's offense, which is kind of particular. It just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe something will happen. And when he says, I'll wait, I'm not going to waive my no trade clause, he might just be positioning himself, saying, hey, don't just screw around here and offer me to anybody. I don't think, I'm almost sure nothing's happening. And the Jets, I think you're exactly right. They think Rodgers is going to come back and they don't want to bring any challengers to Rodgers. I I think, I wonder when they're really circling, but what, what, this could be one of the biggest mistakes they make. Because what happens if you bring back Rodgers, and I know they don't want to play the what if game like this, but you're right, he's a 40 years old, or he'll be 40, coming off the Achilles. The offensive line isn't going to magically turn into you know, the 90s Cowboys overnight. And what if he gets hurt again and now puts the next season in jeopardy? Oh, absolutely. I, I wouldn't bring him back at all, especially because even if he comes back, it's hard to imagine this being a real Super Bowl threat. Three and th- They're three and three. Well, this was a very tough part of their schedule. Can I hear know. from Robert Sala, please, Pete? I love this from Sala. This is cut number eight. Asala was talking about the great defense for the Jets, and they are a very good defense, and the quarterbacks they've faced. I thought defense, uh, per the usual, uh, outstanding. Um, you know, through these first six weeks, we've played a gauntlet of quarterbacks. And um, I know we haven't gotten all wins, but we've embarrassed all of them. And uh, <laughs> just really, really proud of, of the defense and its resolve. Embarrassed all of them. Look at Sala feeling himself wow. after this game. I mean, this is the new world of Deion Sanders where <laughs> three and three equals six and oh. <laughs> Ridiculous De- comment. Deion math. Well, okay, let's go through it. Did they embarrass Josh Allen? Yeah, they probably did. They definitely did. They've done that before, though, on Allen. Uh, they did not embarrass Dak Prescott. So I'm going to say that's one and one. 
They played Mac Jones and lost 15 to 10. So I don't think wow. they embarrassed that, Mac Jones. Are you kidding me? That's like Mac Jones Super Bowl. That was the best <laughs> game he's ever played. They lost to the Chiefs, but many people thought that um, Zach Wilson actually outplayed Patrick Mahomes in that game. Uh, you can no longer count beating Russell Wilson as a signature quarterback moment. Okay. And then they beat Jalen Hurts yesterday. So I mean, four out of six by my count. You're counting Russell Wilson? You can't count Russell Wilson in this day and age. If Russell Wilson leaves the field and his head coach yells at him for a mistake he made at the end of the game, then yes, you've embarrassed him. <laughs> and by the way, the Chiefs... That's true, that did happen. Did the Chiefs go up 17 nothing? You could literally see Patrick Mahomes take a nap on the side. They just I... gave up on that game altogether. And the Jets... This is what people are doing against the Jets. They're getting these gigantic leads and just assuming, you know what, we got this game well, won. Not the and just fall. Yeah, they were the at 14-3, and I swear. <laughs> it's not they, gigantic. Well, they, 14-3 against Zach Wilson is gigantic. And they started mailing in the, the play calling. You could see their effort went down, 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 down. I they know. were you not inspired. You say this somehow like it was a positive or right. something. Like, oh, it was just their decision not I to try it. anymore. It's these like, great that means, teams. That sucks. I mean, you saw the Chiefs do it against the Lions in week one. Like, sometimes teams... Well, the Chiefs are under ha- undermanned in week one. They know Kelsey. They know Chris Jones. But they had a, a huge lead. Sometimes teams with a lead take their foot off the pedal, and they need to be aggressive to be at their best. I think that's the way football always is. I know it's not ideal, but it doesn't mean that all of a sudden the Eagles are in huge trouble because they fell asleep at the wheel here. I just, I just oh. love this, this like, oh, they were messing around theory. Like, they could have won by 50, but they were like, you know what? Let's keep this one close. I thought the Niners did the same thing, too, by the way. They they could have been aggressive in the first quarter and jumped out to it. Before the rain came, they could have had a huge lead, but they started being conservative in their play calling. So, like, we're going to get P.J. Walker and the Browns. Uh, they Before the rain came, they were dominating that game, and they just did not get the lead they needed. Were they I mean, dominating? I oh, mean, yeah. They were they, they were tearing okay, them apart. They scored the touchdown off the scripted plays, that first drive with Shanahan's great at. Then they did a missed field goal, then a punt, then a field goal, well, the punt, then a punt. Then it was the end of the half. Where was the dominance there? I'm sorry. I didn't I, see it. I felt like Purdy was doing whatever he wanted in the first quarter. Oh, see, and I, I, I watched a lot quarter. of that game, and he missed a lot of throws. I thought I mean, Purdy was pedestrian. Well, yeah, but that like the McCaffrey throw, but that was even that was a free play and like that drive, I felt like they were going to score and then the rain started coming down and he couldn't even get the ball out of his hand. Yeah, he, I I did, I did not think they played he played in particular as well as you did. I thought he looked like the fear of Brock Purdy of what he can in the first lead. quarter before before that ball slipped out of his hand like what did he have many incompletions? I mean, he was he had many for the entire day. Right, right. But I'm saying before the rain came, the Niners' offense looked really good. Yeah, okay, no, I, but here's the thing. They play football outside, and right. P.J. Walker wasn't slipping out of his hand. He wasn't as accurate. He's also the third-string quarterback where Purdy was in the MVP conversation a week ago. I think that's ridiculous to evaluate quarterbacks in the driving rain because it doesn't in- indicate what they're going to do the following week when it's dry. I mean, I, clearly the Niners are not a wet-weather team. Yeah, you but can see- they're going to be playing against the Eagles. They're going to be playing against teams, potentially, where there's going to be weather situations. Also, so, yeah, they're probably not going to win. Yeah, that will sca- <laughs> that's to scare you. And how long did it rain in this game yeah. yesterday? It didn't rain from the they, second quarter to the end of the game. They had a real problem with the water in the in the second quarter. The second quarter, quarter yeah. yeah. The second half, they could do nothing. He was making bad like throws. And, and they got and not bailed out because it was a legitimate yeah. call. But, I mean, that last drive driving for the field goal is dead before pass interference. I just think the the Niners, like, I would not... First of all, they went and got a great great defense in the rain. Is that the game you're judging them on with 100,000 flags? 
I, I mean, the Browns defense is great. We no, all agree on that. The Browns defense is very good. And I they just still think, basically won the game. They just missed a field goal at the end. I think without McCaffrey and without Debo Samuel, it just it it looked more pedestrian. Even if Definitely. even if Purdy and Ayuk have good chemistry, I mean, you're not used to the 49ers going three for twelve on third down. Like that's the whole thing about Purdy, right? Doesn't make mistakes. Always is able to execute the play. Not yesterday. Not a, yesterday. A wet game in Cleveland, and that that really is. Reason to think the sky is falling in San no, Francisco? No, 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 no. Not, not sky is falling, but if if McCaffrey and Debo have to miss any real time, I think Debo's gonna be okay, right? Did you, I don't know if you have an update on that. There's nothing on McCaffrey yet. McCaffrey's just a matter of time. You say it all the time. I know. You're only gonna get so much Christian McCaffrey <laughs> season. And I, I mean, and they, he was unprecedented health for him last year, and I think was the major reason why they went as far as they did, and the defense. Yes, yeah, so well, yeah, 25 McCaffrey, penalties combined yesterday in the Browns 49ers game. I think they had a graphic that said it was the most penalties and the most penalty yardage in a game this year. It was just <laughs> ugly. By the way, they I hope so. McCaffrey was out by the end. Uh, he didn't say healthy. He was not on oh, the field the, for most of that Eagles NFC game. Championship game. Yeah, and, and the divisional game, too. So don't count on him. Other guys can run the ball. Debo, that is who they missed yesterday. I couldn't believe that. Sorry, I digress. Bogish, what else you got? I didn't even start yet. Uh, Headlines are sponsored by Northern Tool and Equipment. Get the tools you need from the brands you trust. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. The Giants finding new ways to lose. Last night's 14-9 defeat in Buffalo on Sunday Night Football was the first time in the Super Bowl era that the losing team had more passing yards, more rushing yards, fewer fumbles, fewer INTs, and fewer missed field goals on the other side. Big Blue had the ball on the Bills' one-yard line at the end of the second quarter. The end of the fourth quarter didn't score either time. Here's head coach Brian Dable. We got it down there four times, and we didn't we didn't put it in. So that's really the difference in the game was the ability to punch it in in the red zone. But the Giants didn't allow a point until the fourth quarter, so they led 6-0, then again 9-7. But Josh Allen's second fourth-quarter TD pass with 348 ended up being the difference. The Bills surviving 14-9 to improve to 4-2. and two. This game included a long delay in the second quarter when Bills running back Damian Harris suffered a neck injury, left the field in an ambulance. Here's his head coach, Sean McDermott. It's not a good, uh, not a good um, thing to have to go through. Um, it's but fortunate that he's seemingly heading in a, in a good direction with the, with the reports that we're getting, so I'm just uh, very thankful to God for that. And I know everything is okay with DeMar Hamlin, but it's a, it was kind of like shocking to see the ambulance doors close yeah. and see the Hamlin three in yeah. the windows. I understand kind of why that's there, but I mean, as serious as that was, that was just, I don't know, it just seemed like a weird place to honor him. Yeah, it's like the, branding. Right. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a, a tough call to show him on the sideline too. I don't know if the director should have done that because he was visibly upset. Yeah. I, I can understand why. I mean, yeah, he's I understand why. Clothes. He's not playing in the right. game. It was once and it was quick, right? Yeah. He had like his head in his And hands. I totally understand. I'm not blaming the TV broadcast, but I felt a little bad for DeMar Hamlin. Like that is a moment maybe he deserved privacy. Yeah, he looked really shaken. Of course. I mean, he's watching this play out. What was crazy to me about the hit on Harris is it didn't look like, it was brutal, you know? Nope, yeah. Nope. And, he, and he kept going. I still don't know what hurt him. Like, yeah, the hit like, did, but, like, he he fought through the tackle and then got pushed backwards. It was, it was honestly, odd. Honestly, of all the big hits, yesterday, the biggest one and the scariest one to me happened in the Titans-Ravens game. That kid, Moore, the wide receiver for... Um, 
for the Titans, right? Yeah, what he land on his helmet? Oh my gosh. And then he's getting up, he's like holding his arm up like somebody help me, somebody help me and was woozy and holding his head. I'm like, that guy can't possibly be getting on a flight later today, right? For what we know about concussions. <sighs> Who knows? I mean, Josh Allen had like three last night, and they I know <laughs> they kept playing. Uh, what about the guy who f- fumbled the punt for the Titans, and nobody would sit next to him? That was not <laughs> that was not good. Uh, Kyle Phillips. Oh man, oh. that was a tough game. Uh, so the Bills almost lost. The Eagles and Niners did lose, but the Dolphins are five and one after running away from the Panthers, forty-two twenty-one. Miami spotted Carolina the first fourteen points of that game. Tyree Kill, six catches, 163 yards and a touchdown. Raheem Mostert, 142 scrimmage yards and three scores. The Texans have their third win of the season, 2013 over the Saints. They had three all of last season. Here's rookie head coach D'Amico Ryans. Our team has continued to improve, continue to get better, but it was it was very important for us right, to finish with a win this week before heading to our bye week. Just go in just with a better feeling. You can enjoy your bye week a little bit better off of a win. C.J. Stroud, a pair of touchdown throws yesterday. One last game here in week six. Cowboys Chargers in L.A., 5-15 Pacific. There's also an LCS doubleheader later today. Game two in Houston at 4.30 Eastern. Game one, not in Arizona at 8. The Rangers striking first in that AL series last night. The pitch is on the way. And Tavares hits it deep to right field. That goes Tucker. He turns, he looks, and that ball is history. There's the first postseason home run for Leody Tavares. It gives the Rangers a 2 to nothing lead. Did that guy get hit by a firework or something? It looked like he was, <laughs> someone just set it off in the booth. Uh, that's from Rangers Radio. The other Texas offense, a Jonah Heim RBI single, while Jordan Montgomery twirled six in the third scoreless. Their Rangers win 2-0. They're now 6-for-6. Six this postseason. We got our first look at Damian Lillard and Giannis as teammates last night. 30 combined points and a 108-97 preseason win for their Bucks at the Lakers who were resting LeBron. And yesterday was the final day of the NWSL regular season. The San Diego Wave beat racing Louisville 2-0 to clinch the best record in the league. They get a bye into the semifinals. Their postseason begins on Friday night. Guys, back to you. Andrew Bogus, thank you so much. We get to your phone calls in just a moment. Plus, uh, the piece of sound that you have to hear from yesterday, it's a must listen. We get to it next. Don't move. Maggie and Pearl off CBS Sports. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers over Overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the 
the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Radio. Today's Monday Night Preview is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports partner, sportsbook partner of the NFL. The LA Chargers play host to Dak. Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas a slight one-and-a-half point favorite in L.A. as they look to rebound off a loss to the 49ers. Meanwhile, the Chargers have won two in a row and try to move their record over the 500 mark tonight. We'll get into our picks for that a little bit later in the show. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful to see the coaching mistake in the last two minutes of that game. Is it Staley? Is it McCarthy? <laughs> is it both? I, I mean, the coaching hasn't really been standout, let no. alone college, which is like pretty easy to spot. You know, with the Mario Cristobal's the world and stuff from last week. Sorry, EJ. But yeah, time management's been tough. Really tough. I mean, you got coaches making mistakes left and right. Uh, Let's go to George. He's in Los Angeles. Wants to talk about uh, what he saw yesterday in the Rams game. Good morning, George. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. I really enjoy your show. Um, Boy, you're talking about the tail of two halves. Five yards rushing first half. The Rams look terrible. Second half, they just put the middle to the pedal. Ran 10 straight times to start the second half. Uh, Tyree Williams has a career day. Most rushing yards since 1996 in the second half of the Rams. This team, when they're on, they're on. I mean, they got 19 rookies, but they're still a very strong team. They're 3-3. Three and three. Uh, But I think next year they're going to be something else. George, Thanks. thank you for the phone yeah. call. Uh, yes. A little complaint, though. I mean, Aaron Donald, Josh Jobs has a family. Can you just <laughs> oh, can you can you just give quarterbacks a break? Aren't you old yet? What is the deal with that guy? <laughs> I mean, he is a force of nature. Well, also, Cooper Cup, seven catches for 130 yeah. yards, basically. Uh, Nakua has had to take a little bit of a backseat. Only four catches for him yesterday. But Williams, I told, so good. I told my fantasy partner, my fantasy football partner, yeah. that is early in the season, <laughs> that Kyron Williams is a superstar. He is so tough. And that Rams, again, never draft a running back, but you can find them anywhere. He's really good. Pittsburgh Steelers coming up next for the Rams, though. So we'll see what goes on. And then at Dallas, at Green Bay, home for Seattle. It's going to be an interesting stretch here. It feels like the Rams season could kind of go either way with this next upcoming four games. Uh, okay, I had to hear this sound from last night. So the Giants playing the Buffalo Bills. The Giants were a massive underdog. And one of the reasons they were a massive underdog is because they've had all these crazy injuries along the offensive line, Perla. So they had to uh, call upon an old friend, a former number one overall pick for them, Justin Pugh, who had since been in Arizona. He had to come back and play offensive line for them. He ended up playing tackle for them last night. And when they did the introductions for Sunday Night Football on NBC, here's how he introduced himself. <laughs> Straight off the couch. He yeah. could have said anything there. Syracuse University is where he went to college. I'm sure, he, you know, whatever high school he went to. You got to do your high school. Anybody, why would you do your college? And if you're going to do your college, you have to say, like, the you or yeah. something. You can't just go, uh, Andrew Perloff, Clemson. Like, you got to say something creative to stand out, right? If you get, Like, what would you do, Maggie, if you were on that? Well, I can't say college because my college didn't have any football. I would say uh, Townie Maggie, Binghamton, New York. Ooh, uh, they might they might take an exception if you give yourself okay. a nickname. You're not allowed to do that, are you? I think you can. No? I, I Maybe. I would e- say Maggie Gray, Binghamton High School. Yeah, definitely. What would you guys do over there? I would probably do something fun. I'd do like 
Gotham City High or maybe like you know <laughs> Midtown High, the school that Spider Man went to. Oh. I, would, I, would, I would play play with something with the comic book stuff. EJ, your commitment to this comic book stuff is really amazing. Love uh, it. I know what Perloff would say. I'm sorry, Pete. What would you yeah, say? I'd, I'd do Bayside High. Bayside High sounds like Saved yeah. by the Bell. Yeah. No, I have to do Lower Marion. My claim to fame in life. Yeah. yeah. But I and, think you would say Lower Marion and. But no, I, I thought Home about that. I've been thinking about it. I would not have to say former high school of Kobe Bryant because everyone knows that. Like anyone in LA, you hear Lower Marion, you know. So it's implied, right? So you would say Andrew Perloff, Lower Marion High School, you know. I like that. <laughs> I like that. They might edit out that you know. <laughs> I love straight off the couch because that's just like all of us after you're watching 14 hours of football. It's like I am also straight off the couch and right into the kitchen. I bet some people would actually think Perloff is making it up that Laura Marion because I think they would say, oh, there's no way the Philly guy went to the same high school as Kobe Bryant. I know, but me, Perloff, for the first 15 seconds, you're going to find oh, out. Oh, stop. Yeah, it's like, it's like somebody who went to Harvard. Uh, yeah. yeah so like, well, he went to college in Boston. I have no problem. You're absolutely right. It is a flaw, but I will still continue to do it because it is the coolest thing about me. But what? Are you, so you're a Miami <laughs> no, fan. No, no, but Perloff also, he's also shaded me because no famous athletes have come from my high school. He's like, you guys have nobody? It's like, no, you no. have King Rice. Yeah, well, King Rice. And he goes, that's all you have is King Rice? Like, well, we, we have Joe Torre and Vince Lombardi at my yeah, high school. I mean, good so. for you. you Whoa. You, Where'd you go to high school? St. Francis Prep in Queens, baby. Fresh Meadows. <laughs> that made sense to like four people who are listening. But yes, Joe Torre and, uh, and Vince Lombardi, fantastic. But you can't shade my high school because King Rice is the best athlete to come out of it. I mean, I don't we know didn't how, do anything wrong. I don't know how long your high school has been around, but can you even make the NBA a hundred years now? Okay. The Jones brothers are from your town. Yeah. The jo all the John Jones, Arthur Jones, the Chandler Jones from my town, but a different high school uh, and Daquan Jones. I don't think he's related. Went to a different high school than them. He plays for the bills. I uh, did. Dable's not from Binghamton though. He's, no, from, he's from Buffalo. Oh, he's from Buffalo. Hey, EJ, uh, you are a Miami yes. fan. If you went to university of Miami, you have to say the U. You right? have to say the U. Does anyone say, and if you went to the Ohio State, you have to say, you have to emphasize the the, right? Of course, those yeah. are the rules? Uh, definitely. I think anything beyond those two, you're probably doing I, the high school. I actually get offended when there are former Miami players who don't say the U. Yeah, I was wondering, are there any players who say Miami? Well, no, what they'll do is they'll, I've had, a, I've seen a couple guys do like, you know, the funny thing. They'll say, oh, you know, tight in you or, yeah. you know, where, oh, okay. hard, the school of hard knocks. And I'm like, no, like, we're one of the schools <laughs> that people are actually, proud to be a part of. I know maybe not two weeks ago when Mario Cristobal didn't know how to win a football game, <laughs> yeah. but typically the U is a cool place, so I, I get annoyed when the guys don't rep the U. I mean, you got to do it just for recruiting of your college, right? It's like, right. doesn't that help? Definitely. How about the dude yesterday for the Bears, the backup, Tyson... Um, Tyson Badgett. Badgett from... Uh, Shepherd. Shepherd University, a place Perloff and I were guaranteed was made up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tough start for him, but he he showed out a little. bit. He looked bit. okay until he threw the pick. I mean, it's don't they all? What I think his first play was a uh, fumble for a touchdown against the Vikings. Was that the first play? Maybe was, I wasn't. Maybe then, I wasn't uh, watching that closely. Yeah, but then he put together a nice little drive. But he's famous, right? His dad is the world champion arm wrestler. There's a lot going on with Tyson Badgett. Yeah. That being said, the Bears are not going to win any football games. No, not with him playing. Maybe not with Fields playing. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if it matters. This could be all part of their strategy. Anyway, Justin Pugh, straight off the couch. Played straight pretty well the in the second half, not the first half. Uh, all right, coming up, we got more Dion for you, and we've got more on quarterbacks at a crossroads. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.